Okay, so um, it's another solo episode, and I know that some people don't like these, not as many people listen, and that's fine. Um, honestly, I only really record them so I can make sure that I don't take too long a break in, in between episodes. Um, and frankly, I just had too much to do. I'll tell you what all I've been doing. Um, so I had a vacation I was going to go on, and it was canceled. Um, and that vacation was because my son was sick. We're going to go away in February. And I plan that vacation for that time. And then I plan all these interviews for my two books that I told you about in the other episodes to start then. And so I just knew I had this huge, giant thing of a lot of interviews to do right after the, the vacation. And then I just had to do it. And I'm almost through it now. It's December 7th as I record this. I've got about two more weeks of just a lot of interviews. And then I can just start working on writing the book, right? And writing is much easier for me it's it's work but it's much easier for me than interviews because i can do it whenever i want to if i have time and uh you know uh it doesn't require me to coordinate with other people (laughs) uh so there's that and i just want to tell you everything that's happening so that's what i'm going to do um i didn't even say this is unstandardized english of course uh my name is dr dr jpb gerald i guess my name is also justin um, and this, uh, this show is about me, really, honestly, at this point, but uh, it's about racism, whiteness, language, disability, and all that good stuff. Well, not good. Some of it's good. Whatever. Okay, so let's talk. Um, what I want to tell you about is everything that's happened in the last year and what's, plan- what's going to happen this year. Um, so in 2023, my book had come out in the fall of 2022. And then uh, one of the chapter books that I was a part of also came out in the fall of 2022. Another one of the chapter books came out in like January 23. It might have been December. And then, um, you know... It was weird. I was just sort of waiting around for like what to do next. I told you about how, how I came to think about writing the next book. I had a meeting about it back in January. Um, and, you know, I was sitting into my job. Things were going well there, right? Um, honestly, if you want to hear about my personal life, you know, Ezel was potty training was early in the year. Um, we decided finally we were going to have to find a new place to live eventually. Uh, you've heard me go back and forth on where we're going to live. It's going to be New Jersey, whatever. It's probably going to be Yonkers now. But, like, don't quote me on that because by the time you hear this, my wife probably changed her mind. Um, but anyway, I... Uh, sorry, I got on there. I... You know, a lot of books kept coming out. Like, I did a lot of work. So much work that I didn't even realize it. Um, in writing. And it just kept coming out. Three, one, two, three more books that I have a chapter in came out throughout the course of 2023. A journal article that I was in came out in 2023. Um, another book is going to come out, honestly, by the time that I, you hear this. will have I will have received it. There's another book that I have to write a chapter on, and I was a little worried I might not be able to because of all the books I'm writing, but I might actually be able to write that chapter. And then, and then you know, somebody told me they wanted me to be in another one of their chapter books. And frankly, what's the point of journals anymore, right? You know, the journals, they... they the bl- I understand that the blind reviewing makes things supposedly more equitable, although that's not really true. But I will tell you, when they give us, so marginalized folks or minoritized folks, 
the reins, which is to say to edit the books, people do what they do is they bring in their friends. The problem with the publishing and academia especially is that people bring in their friends and it was since it's all been the same people, um, their friends look the same. If you give us the chance to be the publishers, right, or the editors of the books, then, you know, it will still be friends, it will still be insular, but it'll be insular to a different group. And, you know, if you give us a chance to write, then maybe we get a chance to edit a volume, right? Do I want to take on editing a volume? Maybe after I write these two books, I want to edit a volume, right? Seems like a lot of work, though. Frankly, it seems like more work than writing. You got to keep everybody on deadline and you got to follow up with people. And, you know, when I magic manage projects at work, it's the worst. Like if I can control things, great. But if I have to rely on everybody else, I mean, people that I don't have authority over, and I'm not trying to have control of people, but um, it's just sort of interesting to manage projects. Uh, and have to, most of what you're doing is like herding cats, you know? Really. But what I wanted to do in this episode um, is really think about something that I've been feeling conflicted about since it's happened. You know... Naomi Klein talks about disaster capitalism, shock doctrine, that sort of thing, right? If you don't know, no one listening to this doesn't know, but the idea when some disaster occurs, people swoop in to make money off of it. Now that is, to be clear, older than capitalism, right? Capitalism may accelerate it, but like there have been disasters and people selling things for longer than there's been capitalism. Doesn't mean capitalism is bad. I just want to point out that it didn't, like think, there are a lot of things that started before capitalism. Um, and there was obviously a lot of that going on with pandemic. And I'm saying pandemic in the past tense, not because COVID is ever going anywhere, but because technically pandemic is a like policy title, right? The WHO can declare, can declare this is a pandemic or it's not a pandemic. So uh, there's a difference between COVID and the pandemic is what I'm saying, right? COVID's just here. It's just... You know, the flu from 1918 became the flu we have every year, right? When you think about it, or versions of that, plus the, ver the flus in the 50s and every big flu epidemic, it just turns into a part of the flus that people get every year. And so COVID's now a part of that, which is unfortunate. But anyway, I feel really conflicted about this, but like, I don't know if all the things that I accomplished would have happened if it hadn't been for the lockdowns and everything. And I'm not, it's why like I, I'm happy for what I've accomplished, but like, you know, I still feel conflicted about it. I, I, I do have to, I, I sometimes feel like I have to talk myself up because if I sit back and think, I feel pretty bad not that I did anything that was bad, because a lot of it was just happenstance. But the happenstance, the way the marbles fell for me and my family, especially my career, but a lot of other things, it turned out 
as well as possible, despite how terribly it went for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that there weren't negative impacts for me during the pandemic. I was very isolated like everybody else. And that's not great for me. Um, but look, this is what happened. My son was born February 2020. Obviously, now that's not, oh, February 20. We didn't know that. We're hearing about this virus overseas. And I remember my cousin came to visit me right before he was born. Or right, maybe right at no, right before he was born, and um, you know, he was like, "You hear about this virus?" And we were just like, "Oh, it's it'll be fine." We all thought that, um, and I remember I had a classmate in school who was like annoyed that we were canceling things, saying, "Oh, it won't, it'll be fine. We lived through these things." So yeah, we were all kind of dumb. Dumb is the wrong word. I shouldn't use that. We were all skeptical that it would happen the way it did. So anyway, he's born February twenty twenty. People came to visit us in the hospital. People came after the hospital. Both of our parents came and met him. And they all came and met him once or twice because they didn't feel like there was any urgency. And then uh, nobody could see him for several months. It was really scary. You know, we were safe. In the sense that, you know, we didn't live with a lot of people and we didn't live with anybody who had to work on the outside. So we didn't have that worry. Um, we, we had to get in an elevator with people. But otherwise, that was the only time we really had to worry about things. Um, and, you know, we had a son who was just born, so he didn't have any protections. Forget about COVID. He didn't have protections from anything, right? Um, but at the same time, and this is a bigger policy issue with the United States, childcare. We were so stressed about childcare beforehand. We had looked at this very expensive childcare place that's across the street just because it's across the street and I mean it would have been like $40,000 a year right it was like $3,000 a month which is like four it's like $40,000 a year right um and you know I wonder what kind of kid he would have been because I was still at a really a job I really didn't like that I've talked about on here they were not very family friendly to men, it was kind of weird. I'm not going to ever sit here and pretend men have it worse with childcare, but I, or, or maybe they just didn't like me. But like, I know I had a colleague who was pregnant. Like when I, when, when we had our son, I found out a colleague of mine was pregnant. And then when she had him, they were very, very accommodating about time she needed to take off. And my boss said to me, because uh, I told her, oh, sorry, let me back up. We were looking for some for that daycare. It was just too expensive. We were th- thinking about going there, and we were gonna have to, we were gonna have to have him not stay the whole day because we couldn't afford to pay for the whole day at the salary level I was at before. Um, and so I was gonna have to do some weird thing where I worked a certain number of days a week, um, and then I left early certain days. And I was still in school then too, so I would have had to take a couple. You know, it would have been a mess. Maybe I wouldn't have finished school or something, or it just would have been bad. And my wife and I would have argued a lot, and it would have been terrible and we were looking at this one home daycare that was a few blocks away 
And, you know, it was not ideal, but we were hoping that uh, it could work out. And we went to another daycare that seemed a little bit chaotic. And we weren't sure if they even had space because remember, daycares have very strict rules, regulations about how many people can be, like they have to have this many teachers, whatever, and they have an even higher number of regulations if there's infants around, right? You get a little bit older, daycare gets a little bit cheaper um, because it's not an infant, right? You're not responsible for everything. So... Honestly, it was really stressful, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and we were planning to start him in the daycare in, like, June, maybe, because that's when uh, my wife was going to have to go back to work, and then we didn't have to do that. I remember calling her in June and asking her what her deal was, and she said, the home daycare person, she said, yeah, it's not even going to be open. And I just called her every month to just check to see if our place was still there. Um, And eventually she said she wasn't even reopening because her daycare was entirely inside, so, you know, we didn't know. And so for a while we were really just like, what are we going to do? But at the same time, as you know, an article that I wrote in January of 2020, when I just had a break from school and needed to keep working got popular academically in May of 2020. So in May of 2020, you know, I uh, started doing talks and everything. These things you know. And by the summer, of the, late, the late summer of 2020, I almost lost my job, as I said, because I realized my job was pointless. And I don't just mean that in a capitalistic way. I mean in the sense that they were making me do busy work and it was very transparently busy work and I couldn't focus on it. Um... And so if it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't have recognized my focus issues. I knew I was kind of, quote unquote, scatterbrained. But like, you know, that was a time when I was like, this is very important. I'm going to lose my job and I can't focus well enough to do this. Right. And, you know, I went up to our lounge because the problem was I wanted to hang out with my son in the house. And I had to go to a different place with a mask on, obviously, and do my work very, very slowly Um, while they were mad at me and you know I managed to keep my job I'm not really sure if it's because my work was better I did start making fewer mistakes I put some practices into place and you know I just realized I had to create more and more systems so I didn't forget things one of the things they were mad at me for is like you're making you made an appointment and you didn't put the 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 link in the in the invitation and I'm like "Oh, oh okay you know um but now I do that all the time. So, yeah. But, like, to be mad at me for that is a little strange. So, anyway, I, um, but that sort of complete feeling of, like, how did I miss this? How did I miss this? You know, that contributed to me needing to get diagnosed the next year, right? I've told the story about my diagnosis. And look at this. This is the most ADHD story ever because I'm not focusing. Anyway, we're in the fall of 2020, right? He's still with us. And... As stressful as it can be to have a kid at home with you, you know, if we are to have another child, there's no way the child is going to be home with us for the time that Ezel was. Ezel was at home with us for a year and three months. And um, we have a really special relationship. I don't mean special like me compared to my wife. I mean, he's very close to us, and I'm I'm not saying that 
kids in daycare or not because there are kids who are in our daycare who are younger, who started going there much younger, right? And they're fine. Um, and frankly, we, we, when we were working, we were only so focused on him during the day, right? But, you know, I was able to get, like, that's when they were interested in me in the book and that all started and, and then I... I I was at home. It's not like I had some social thing to do. If I if I had a six-month-old kid and it was normal times, I'm not saying I would have been out all the time, but I would have been out more than never, right? I don't mean out late, just not in the house sometimes. Um, but since there was nowhere to go, like I would leave the house to take the dog for a walk and listen to a podcast, but uh, that's about it. Um, is... I just had time to write. So I did so much writing that summer in the fall and then continuing into the next year when I was writing the book. And all of that is just going to keep coming out until the next books come out. And then there will be more. Like, I wanted my whole life to be a writer. And I'm literally only a writer because of the lockdowns. Like, I'm only, like, an actual professional published author. because I I mean, I would have had journal articles, right? But, like, I don't think I ever would have written a book if it hadn't been for the fact that that article got popular at that specific time. And it only got popular at that time because uh, of George Floyd, right? When everyone decided to care about racism for a week. And I wrote it before that, but I edited it during lockdown. And I, I just, he sent it back to me in March and we were locked down and I had nothing to do besides write. So I just edited it like in one day. And so it got published in May. If it was a normal academic journal timeline, that probably takes a year to come out. And then it looks like a Johnny Come Lately article about racism because everybody's writing about racism, right? You know, the people who are, you write an article about racism now and you don't have a track record and people are like, oh, you care now, right? Um, But now I have a track record. If I write about racism, people can go back and look at everything I said. Like there is an actual body of work that's been created. And like, it only happened because of that. I only think I have the relationship I do with my son. I'm not saying it would be bad. It would just be different for all that time. Now, eventually, he got too big. He had to, he, he had to go do something. We put him in daycare, but we got so lucky again. The only reason we found what we found is that the woman who runs the daycare was about to, like, this is her own business, and she was about to start her home daycare. She had, she had not quite put it on the Internet yet when the lockdowns happened. Right? Because we were searching around and we didn't see hers. So she had to stop it. And then she put it back up when he was getting just too big. We had not found anybody and we were starting to really struggle. And we just happened to search daycare in our zip code and she showed up because she had just put it online. We were her first client, literally. There were several kids that first day, but we were the first ones she saw. Right? So we were literally her first clients ever. We trusted her, and she turned out to be great. Frankly, if and when we leave, you know, after what will have been three years there, it's a really special thing he's gotten to experience. Um, and we really like home daycares, so we might keep him in a home daycare until kindergarten, because he's three now, and he's, you know, this kid really wants to read now. All this, I... I I'm not blaming my parents for this, but this idea that you got to put such academic pressure on kids when they're young so that they'll grow up to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, he wants to read now. And we don't force him much. We practice stuff, but I don't get mad at him or anything. We practice with the letters. He knows every letter in the alphabet. 
he can't read yet, but like he recognizes words. When you start to recognize words, then you can start to work on sounding things out. And we're going to start working on sounding things out, one presumes, when he's about four, right? And then I think by next year, he should be able to read. Would he have not been able to read in the expensive day? Probably he would have been able to read, right? That's what they do over there. But, like, I don't think he would have been quite as happy. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel very happy the time I've gotten to spend with him and I just feel bad so much happened that was bad and and uh have benefited by chance because of it I don't mean I've exploited it right you know so anyway that's the writing part but like I said if I hadn't really thought through the way that I could not focus on these small errors and that I had been why I almost lost my job and then I thought back to other times and really did some research on ADHD and that it's not just being inattentive, right? It's also emotional, right? And realizing a lot of the things that had happened to me were because of that. Like, yes, I was anxious and depressed, but I don't know that I was simply an anxious and depressed person to the point where I think that the ADHD and the way that I moved through the world and was teased and all that is why I became particularly anxious about how I was perceived and you know, when certain things did go wrong, I would be, I was depressed about them, right? I was sort of reactively depressed. I didn't walk around every day feeling depressed. I'm not saying that's what depression is. I'm just saying that, like, part of the reason I never felt like I was depressed is because I didn't feel that way all the time. People listening who've had depression are like, it's not how it feels. I know. I'm saying this is what I thought when I was younger. And I wouldn't have figured that out if it hadn't been for me being at home all the time. And I wouldn't have figured that out if I hadn't almost lost my job. That was such a stressful experience, and I really, you know, I self-medicated during that. I certainly did. Um, you know, frankly, some of the habits I developed and I really had to work to get out of because I was just like, I couldn't, like, thinking about losing my job during the pandemic, right? Would have lost my health insurance. That's the United States thing, obviously. Although I could, we could, I could have gone on my wife's insurance, right? But, like, what, is, what does that mean? Do we have to change doctors? Right? My son had only been to the same doctor, you know. Um, what would that mean, price-wise? What would jo what job would I have gotten in the middle of the pandemic when everyone's being laid off? And then, like, but if I, but again, if it hadn't been for the pandemic and the fact that my colleagues were <laughs> kind of whiny about it, I don't mean the pandemic. I mean when they told us to come back to the office, they all said no. Fine. But I knew them, and I knew that a lot of them had simply bought houses farther away, right? Sure, safety. But a lot of them, like, they, we were talking in, the, in, like, the work calls and stuff about, like, yeah, well, you know, I bought a new house in, like, upstate New York or whatever. They just didn't want to come back. Now, that's fine. I just wish they would have been honest about it. Like, they were telling us about the house, and then they would say, well, I don't want to come back because it's unsafe. Fair, but... It just means that everybody who can't say that they bought a house upstate in the last year is going to have to come in. So that means that like, because I didn't buy a house, I had to go in. Now, I didn't. Once I got there, I thought everybody would be there. It'd be crowded and I'd be nervous. And then nobody was really there. So I didn't really mind it. But anyway. But that's how I realized that, the, you know, how specific ADHD is. And then I got the evaluation when they were trying to make me come in five days a week. And honestly, <laughs> Uh, I kind of lied to some extent. I don't mean about the ADHD. I did write that down as an actual disability accommodation. Like I got an actual accommodation. 
Um, but I, uh, I knew it would be stigmatized. So I said I had a, a sensory processing disorder to my boss. The HR, I wrote down what I had. To, I got the you know doctor to say the truth about this and that, right? Sensory processing disorder is not untrue. Although I would say it's not that I can't process senses, is that uh, it's a sensory sensitivity disorder, maybe, right? I, w- I was going to say sensory reactivity disorder, but honestly, if you feel senses to a certain level, then there's nothing wrong with your reaction at that point. Like if you feel sensations, like how uh, a certain sound is just so amplified, then the reaction, a strong reaction, is 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 perfectly logical, right? It's that it's that that sensitivity to the sensation is heightened. Because I wasn't open about the ADHD, I wasn't comfortable saying it. To the point where, now I say it all the time, probably to the point that people probably get annoyed. Um, and all of that, it, was, it went into my dissertation. I don't know that I would have found... Uh, my dissertation was not about disability. The middle section of my dissertation, the part where I wrote about my diagnosis, is the best part of it. And when I wrote that part, I realized... I could keep writing. Um, you know, I hadn't I, the, the 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 things that have happened to me in the last three four years, I guess, and all of the good things. I'm not saying everything's been good, but um, you know, what have I lost? I'm not as I'm not as good of a runner anymore. I'm not part of the running community as much, but. You know, running I was using to build community, and now I have more of that. The only problem I have is most of my community is on the internet and is dispersed around the world, which means I will always know people where I go someplace. But I'm still working on building local community because we were all at home for so long that most people I met didn't really matter where we were because we were on the internet. I've got friends in Australia who listen to this. I've got friends in Japan, UK. You know, it's been helpful for one of the books I'm writing. I have people who are connected to all of these places, and that's exciting and interesting. But you know, I'm, I'm when I as Ezo gets older, I do want to build community, local community more. That's the only thing that I'm lacking right now. I have friends, but because I don't really go out like that anymore, you know, I realize that like that's the only thing we really did together. My best friend, who also has a small child now. Well, we would be, but he moved to be with the child, right? So that makes sense. Um, but like, if you had told me, if you told me as a small child that I was a writer, I would have been very happy. And that may not have been surprising because that's all I did, right? When I was three or four or whenever it is, I could first actually write a letter with my hand. Um, I used to draw these fake comic books about seri- um, superheroes. I was really into the Michael Jackson Dangerous album. I don't know. I was five. I mean, look, that's a good album. But uh, so I created a, ser- a, a serial, serial, a superhero called Dangerous. But it was Dangerous, right? There was no O. I don't know why I thought this was clever. Um, but he had like an orange hat and it had a D on it. And that's, you know, I created bad guys for him to fight. Um, I created a superhero called Ejector Man. Um, I used to write stories about these things. All I wanted was for my ideas to be valuable, even if they were silly. 
And I think people talk a lot about introversion and extroversion, right? And I've always thought I was an extrovert. Ever since I heard the word, I don't know if I always thought this. I always thought I was an extrovert. But I think that binary is a little bit... Almost every binary is a hierarchy, right? People talk about introverts and extroverts, and a lot of times introverts talk about it because they think that they are on the lower side of the hierarchy. In a lot of ways, they are. But then they'll say stuff about extroverts where it's just like, hey, hey, right? I don't know. I guess I think I'm an ambivert in the sense that, like, if I'm comfortable, then I really do want to talk and be public and so forth. And if I'm uncomfortable, then I look at the ground and the ceiling and I don't want to do anything. Right? You know? If I'm confident, I'm very, very out publicly. And if I'm not, I'm deep inside myself. I think about myself as a small child and I was uncomfortable in new situations the same way my son is. But then when I was comfortable, I was really, really on it, you know? And I developed a public persona as sort of a defense mechanism. And it's really hard not to do in public situations. Um, I'm getting better at not doing it. Um, now, if I'm in a public situation, I'm usually pretty quiet. Um, I'm still not good at small talk, and I don't think I ever will be, but I don't, like, recoil at it. I have learned enough to mumble a few things in response so people don't think I'm too rude. Um, and, you know, I'm sort of... I think I'm going back to the child that I was. Mike doesn't like me talking about me being like the child and, you know, resolving wounds or basically. Um, but I think that who you are as a three or four year old is, is, is honestly, you know, you mature. But I do think a lot of that is who you are, even if you are someone who ends up doing bad things. What I'm saying is most people don't end up doing bad things when they're three or four. Right. They get corrupted. Yeah, there's a couple of people where the brain is just such that they're going to be hurting people. And that's very few people, despite what we see in true crime, right? Even people who grow up and, and harm their partners or whatever, I, I think a lot of that is learned, right? They see that, that those messages. We see so much of that, you know? And so, well, a lot of the things I learned socializing, how to be popular and included were harmful things. And I'm not talking about like, violence i'm just saying that like our society and not just american society not just western society and frankly i might just say white society but still black society in some cases um, male society certainly um, middle and upper class society certainly is just teaching us bad lessons and i really try to teach my son good lessons i don't know that i'm always succeeding um i one of the things i do is i don't let him watch any positive depictions of police um, if they're there, they're there, but like, he's not watching anything that's about a hero cop. Like he's not, I, I don't make him watch anything with like bad cops either. Uh, we just try to keep it away from him, you know? And, um, I really think that he understands the value of public transportation. I think that he understands a little bit about being black. He knows he's black. I don't think he knows what that means. He says, I'm a black person, which is funny. 
but like he doesn't know what it means. He he think he literally only thinks it means skin color, right? Um, I'll tell him. He'll learn. But for now, so <laughs> focus, Justin. This is why people don't listen to the episodes by myself because I can't focus. All right. So the point is. If you had told me as a small child that I would be a professional writer when I was older, I would have said, that's great. If you had told me when I was in high school, I would have said, oh, really? That's great. And I would have been really surprised that I was popular because at that point, well, a big part of my not believing that my writing was popular is because all of the people who were in high school who were on the like poetry, they wrote for the literary magazines, they would just grind out these things and the teachers would be like, oh, such a good story, whatever. A lot of them are writers, but are not good Writers, (laughs) Writers, <laughs> um, and a lot of the people who rejected my writing, like, I don't know, I got a whole bunch of books. But the point is, I started to really lose my faith in my writing then. I had a good, well, formerly good friend who, who was really harsh about my writing, and I didn't write anything for a long time after that. Um, and, you know, I think it's really... I had no idea what was going on with my life when I was in my early 20s, like a lot of people. I went to South Korea just drinking, like, because a lot of people in Korea drink all the time. This is not really a a criticism. It's just, look up the statistics. It's true. People drink a lot there. Um, And, uh, you know, I was really feeling salty about the fact that I knew so many of my classmates had a lot of money. And I felt that way for a long time. I didn't want to do what they were doing. I didn't think I'd be good at it. And in retrospect, I would have been bad at it because I now know I can't stay interested in things I'm not interested in. Sorry, I can't keep doing things I'm not interested in. I can't do a good job, right? And I would not have been interested in being an investment banker or something. And they got to work those long hours and watch the show industry. Like, I can't do that, right? Um, I would have... I don't think I ever would have gotten diagnosed. I would have just been really unhealthy, I may have made a bunch of money for a couple of years and then burned out, and I think it would have gone really poorly. You know, I'm really lucky that I eventually figured it out. But I was, I don't know if I was jealous. I was sad. Because I didn't have what they had, and I didn't have an alternative. I couldn't think of something to do that would make me some money. And I'm not saying life is about that, but like living in New York is about that. Living in the United States is about that. And, you know, I can sit here and be pure, but if I can't pay my rent, it doesn't matter how pure I am, right? And I felt that way for a long time. I got the stable nonprofit job two jobs ago, and that really didn't pay. I was proud of myself, and I told myself that it was fine not to make any money because X, Y, and Z. I had nothing for retirement, you know, I had, I didn't have money left over every month after rent and just trying to be a person in the world, right? I, I had, I had no, literally no savings. Um, and I think if I hadn't met my wife, I would still be in that situation. Because I was so precious about people liking me and they did like me at that job that I would have stayed there forever. Basically. There's some people, the person I hired, still there. She's been there for nine and a half years now, right? So she's comfortable with what she's making. It's more than I was making, more than she was making then, but it's not, you know. 
and I, that's all I could aspire to. And my wife convinced me like, hey, man, no. And I was, I really, I didn't think my background in education would ever get to me to a place where this would work. And, I, and, and the weird thing is, like, it was the lockdowns and everything that happened around then that got me to this place. So I feel really conflicted, and I'll always feel that way. But that also means I have a responsibility to make my work matter, right? Because I do think my work matters. People tell me it matters. And, you know, it's something that uh, I just hope when the seas rise and, 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 and we're, you know, whatever island Ezel's forced to live on as an older person, he's able to tell people that his dad tried to do something worthwhile so in 2024 I've got a lot more on my plate um, and I'll get back to interview episodes after this I got one lined up already um, and now I'm not you know writing now I'm not doing all of my interviews all the time um, for my books so I should be able to have more flexibility in time yeah okay that's the episode this time um i appreciate you for for paying attention to this um it's just an interesting conflict and i've talked to my therapist about this i just thought it would be interesting for some of you to hear um you know because if i'm going to be prominent it's going to be important for that prominence to matter that's all